Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on. From the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day. College football, we know who's number one. Understand, on the phones, you know we get it done. So call in, 718-664-9098, and we'll give you more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show you're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and it is a football and all sports Friday. So give us a call, 718-664-9098, like always, RayandTayToday.com. We're Twitter, iTunes, Instagram, Facebook. Check us out everywhere. You want to send some emails, give us your Friday and Saturday picks. I mean, sorry, Saturday and Sunday picks, the NFL and, and, and the college football gridiron, RayandTayToday at gmail.com. But, Ray, before we get to the other stuff, we got to talk about some baseball postseason awards, starting with the MVP. Ray, what do you say about the AL Mike Trout winning on a horrible team and then the world champion Chris Bryant, who's so versatile playing multiple positions, winning in his second year, right after rookie of the year, winning MVP for the Chicago Cubs? What do you think? Well, here's my immediate thought. Chris Bryant, the only thing I can remember – is last not the only thing I can remember, but what stands out to me is remember last year they held him out for like 20 games because oh, they yeah. didn't want to pay him that extra year of arbitration because <laughs> yeah. they knew that this guy was that good and he would break the bank someday. And they earned themselves another year and they won themselves a title. I hope that for their sake that Chris Bryant doesn't hold a grudge and doesn't feel like, he was, I think he, he felt one, longer. but I think it's over now. Now I that they so won, too. I think it's so over, yeah. But the other thing, so the other thing that, that we talked about this a little bit off air is think about how many young studs are in baseball. Between uh, Bryce Harper winning it last year, who's what, 21, 22, Chris Bryant, who's 22, 23, winning it this year. Um, even the you know Mike Trout, Mike Trout in the American yeah. League, only what, 20, 26, 27. But Chris Bryant was was pretty much phenomenal, second year winning the MVP. But you know what? This guy, Mike Trout, now now you could argue his team was terrible. So did he deserve to win most valuable player on a team that wasn't really in playoff contention? But let's put that argument aside for a second. Stats, he dominates. This guy, yeah, stats-wise was unbelievable. First in wins above replacement. Top five in run score, run scored on base percentage, slugging percentage, all that. Defensively, he, he's he's a wizard. But think about this: he is in his first two seasons. I think he was the first guy to have ever, in his first two seasons, finished top two in the MVP voting. And this guy, remember, I said this when well, he in and the first Miguel, five seasons he's finished in the top five. I don't think anybody's so, ever done that. Exactly. That's so that's where I'm going. Too. So now in his first five seasons, he's in the top five. Remember we joked about this when uh, Miguel Cabrera beat him out, when Miguel Cabrera had to win the triple crown to beat yeah. out Albert Pujols. And it was still a debate. And it was still, <laughs> it was a, still debate. a debate. <laughs> it just shows you that it's this special. guy is just the specimen. He is this era's Mickey Mantle, uh, Willie Mays, Right. The only thing he did not get this year is a gold glove. He got a silver slugger, but he didn't get the gold glove. And I'm sure you could say he was, you know, up there in the top, you know, outfielders. But he the one thing he he did not get. He didn't, but but he's number one in wins above replacement, and that takes into account defense and takes into account at your position. You know, how many more wins do you provide your team? So not only he was the best in the league. So, you know, the Cybermetrics now granted the Cybermetrics guys they 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 missed on Gordon Hayward. Um I mean Josh Hayward, sorry. Um from the Jason from the Hayward, Cubs. yeah, Jason Hayward. 
Jason Hayward, sorry. Gordon Hayward, yeah. Josh. I got all my Haywards yeah. all up in the all up in <laughs> all like, the, It's like your Deshaun's and your Devontae's. Oh, my God. <laughs> we got to talk about that later on a different show. But this guy, I mean, cybermetrics aside, this guy is, is like the perfect baseball player. I mean, if he was lefty, he, that would be the only thing that would make him more perfect. <laughs> oh, He'd be too stupid. Well, wait, wait. Let's, 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 let's get to some more awards, though. You know, nothing so crazy to – you know, but Purcello, uh, to the I guess negative or to the anger and chagrin of Kate Upton, Rick Purcello won the AL over Verlander, and Verlander had more first place votes. And honestly, I like Corey Kluber over both of them, but that's just me. Um, the National League, Max Scherzer, you can't really debate Mad Max. Then you have what Dave Dave Roberts in the NL Manager of the Year and Tito Francona in the AL. Are you? Fine with those awards, and also Rookie of the Year, Corey Seager, and then the former kid who we both think Gary Sanchez really, I mean, he came on late, but what he did was, I don't want to say more outstanding than, than um, Michael Fulmer, but 11-7, and seven, I mean, I guess, 306 ERA. Tell me, tell me your thoughts. Would you have switched any of those awards? Manager, no, rookie, Sanchez. I don't have a problem with any of them. Gary Sanchez... That's always hard, right? The, 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 yeah. the Ichiro Suzuki's coming over at 27, 29, whenever he did, are they really rookies? And also the guys that play half a year, you know? Um, he did he phenomenal really things though, right? in the half, right? But, but then <laughs> really you give him credit. You give, can you multiply those numbers by two and say that he wouldn't have hit the wall, he wouldn't have you know, gotten injured? You know, there's something to be said for, for playing out that full year. So – Oh, definitely. I don't have a problem with it. Look, if Gary Sanchez, I would have argued the same way. If Gary Sanchez won it, I would have said, look, that guy had the best 51 games or whatever it was um, yeah. stretch that that I've seen in a long time. So, don't. Have, but I don't have a problem with any of the awards. I thought Tito Francona, Dave Roberts definitely did themselves a huge service and you know took teams. I love Dave Roberts. We liked him as a player. Very yeah. scrappy. You know, and um, and same with Tito, the same thing. I mean, we both had his baseball card when we were younger. So Tito, you know, um, played in the 70s, a little bit of the 80s, and he's proven to be a great manager who got a team to the World Series that really nobody, you know, like and even Sports Illustrated. And they lost their best player. Sports Illustrated had them, though, last year, though. Last year, Sports Illustrated picked the Indians to win, not this year. So, I mean, you know, it, it's – it's amazing. I, I think it's it's really amazing and great baseball season, fun awards, and we'll start talking baseball free agency. And you know, of course, the Astros they get Reddick and they get McCann, two lefty bats, um, and some veterans, kind of scrappy. Do you feel that might help the young Astro team? I think that's why they did it. What do you think about those moves? I think I think both of them. I don't know who the Astros gave up. I don't know who their their young prospects are. And obviously, as a Yankee fan, I hope they're better than than uh, you know what McCann turns out to be for two years. But McCann had to had to negate a no trade clause. So obviously, Brian McCann liked this deal. And I think this is what the Astros need. They need. They've got a lot of young talent. They were bad for so many years, losing over 100 games several years in a row. They got all this young talent, and you know. In the last two years, they collapsed in September. They had, yeah. uh, you know, losing records in September. So these guys are veteran, you know, more, you know, Reddick's not a veteran veteran, but he's kind of like a little bit of a veteran. You play more than four years, you're a veteran. And I think McCann, you know, can definitely, like you said, give him a good two, three years. So yeah, maybe, I, I think it's a smart move. And it might, it might slap these guys around a little bit, like Correa and Altuve and Springer. And these guys, there's a lot of young talent, but maybe young they talent, need a yeah. guy like Brian McCann to, to slap them around yeah, a little on, bit and be like, look, guys, get come it going, on, so eyes on the prize. You know, we, we got a, roster-wise, we got as good a team as anybody. There's no reason we should let the Texas Rangers run away and hide with this division. Definitely not. Well, let's get to the pigskin and Thursday night football. <sighs> the Panthers got it done. They didn't cover the spread, Barely. but they got it done. 23-20. But I got to tell you, I mean, even Drew Brees making some bad mistakes. Cam, it's he's not on the trajectory that we thought. And, you know, they're not doing the zone read as effectively as they did last year. 
Um, you would think with Calvin Benjamin, the only thing that's really different is, you know, one or two offensive linemen or one offensive lineman, one defensive lineman, and then Josh Norman. So it's pretty much the same roster. Now, granted, Stewart's been injured, but now he's back. And I think they're going to go on a run because – they, for everything to work for them, they need Jonathan Stewart. But the offensive line has got to play better, and Cam's got to play better, right? I don't think Cam is 60% of what he was last year overall. You know what I mean? Like, he's just not – he's inconsistent. So do you think it's he because really he's getting is. hit? Do you think it's a hangover from winning the MVP? Do you think he hasn't recovered yet I think from the beatdown that he took in the, in the playoffs and certainly in the Super Bowl? Mentally, I think it's a combo, right? I think collapse. he's – I don't think they're running as effectively. I think the offensive line is not running, run blocking or pass blocking as well. He doesn't have as much time. They were saying that's that. Um, and I think he's also he's got to make quicker decisions, right? They've got to start to stop trying to throw bombs and do quick, you know, button hooks, slants, you know, the the passing offense that we did in like you know fifth and sixth grade. You know, it's like boom, run out real quick and just you know quick it, pass it. So I mean. I think they're going to be fine. They had to win this one, right? It didn't matter if it was 22-21, 20-19, whatever. They got it done, and, and it helps. The question is, will the Falcons continue to, you know, crumble after the bye? And we'll see how everything plays out. But getting division wins at home, you must have them. So I applaud them for that, you know what I mean? Let's uh, let's get into this yeah, week's games. Enough. We got about five or six good ones. And then we can talk about some college hoops and got our segment. Uh, the Bills are going to the Bengals. This is kind of a, I want to say, a, definitely a must win for the Bengals at home, right, after their last loss on Monday Night Football. But the Bills, they're trying to compete with Miami and all the other AFC teams and potentially could be, you know, in that mix for the wild card as well. So you got to believe it's a must win for the Bills, the way the Dolphins have been playing. And then, you know, they still got to battle Ravens and Steelers. So, for me, I think the Bengals win at home, but I don't think they cover the three and a half points. I think this is going to be a close game, and I think it's a little bit too much A.J. Green and a little too much Shady McCoy, so fantasy owners should have fun with that. But I just think the Bengals' defense will step up enough, and they can win this one 24-23. Maybe Nugent kicks a end-of-the-game field goal. Bengals beat the Bills, but don't cover. You know, I've been calling for the Bengals to win some games pretty much all year, saying this team is better than I, you know, than people are giving them credit for. I thought they'd win the division. I thought they'd hold off the Steelers and the Ravens, and obviously the Browns are terrible. But I don't know. I'm 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 almost ready to give up on these guys and just say, you know, at three five and one, they're not making the playoffs even though that, that AFC uh, North is coming back to them a little bit, I think Buffalo's going to go in there and straight up win the game. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, and if he can get, you know, like you said, the ball out of his hands, like, like Cam Newton, get the ball out of his hands. He actually throws a nice deep ball when he has time, but I think that he's dynamic enough. He can spread the ball around if McCoy's healthy enough, if, you know, they're receiving. And Robert Woods, you know, we saw him – on the uptick last year, losing Sammy Watkins really hurt these guys. But I still think the defense and the fact that Cincinnati doesn't really have an identity. You know, are, are they a finesse team? Are they? Are, is it all about AJ Green? Is it you know Andy Dalton's? Uh, you know, obviously putting up big numbers, but they're not scoring in the red zone. So I, I like I like Buffalo. I like Buffalo to win a close game. I'll call it twenty four twenty. going to be fascinating so next up man it's the baltimore ravens going to the best team and record in the nfl how does that sound to you? how does that sound how about it sounds insane how about them cowboys look tony romo said his speech i think uh he saw the writing on the wall when you know stephen jones kind of explained it to him but it was still a great speech it's Dak's team you know, you don't know if, if that changes with two or three bad losses. Who knows? Because Jerry Jones is always waffling because we know he loves Tony. I'll say this. Seven and a half points is way too much. And we're going to get into my man with grown man strength in a minute, Steve Smith Sr. 
Flacco was thrown under the bus a little bit by his ex-teammate Ray Lewis. But Flacco's not played well this year. And they actually have a decent receiving core with Wallace, Aiken, Steve Smith, and, and Perryman, some speed, some pattern guys. And I, I just think the defense is playing so well, and the Ravens' offense has really done hardly anything for them. But for some reason, because this is the best running offense against the best running defense in the NFL, the game is going to be on Dak. And I think him and Dez, Dez against Jimmy Smith, he's going to have to heat it up. I say the Cowboys win but don't cover. I'm going to say 24-20, and he does get a touchdown to Dez. Dak, no INTs, maybe throws for like 270 and like maybe, you know, two touchdowns. So I'll take the Cowboys. 24-20, Ravens cover the spread. How about them Cowboys? How about so them Cowboys? Dallas Cowboys are not as good as 8-1, and one. and frankly the Baltimore Ravens are not as good as 5-4. and four. The Ravens have no running game to speak of. And suddenly, your boy Mike Wallace though is turning into uh, you know. A he woke. What he he on woke right now. He woke. He woke. He woke. He and Steve Smith give you that little fire and ice, that thunder and lightning. But remember what I said when they signed Joe Flacco to that deal. I said the Baltimore Ravens will never win a championship again as long as Joe Flacco is their is their quarterback. Not a Joe Flacco fan. I thought that he was in the perfect place at the perfect time. You know, oh, and he um, had a great defense. He had a great defense. He wasn't a – I mean, look, this, thank goodness for the Ravens the salary cap went up because he's not right, a $20 right, million right. Dollar a year quarterback. I just think he happened to be the right guy at the right time. Well, right? you think he's but, better than average. I mean, he had a great playoff average, run. But he's not credit least, when they won the Super Bowl. Not, he played great. Yeah, he, he played good. I don't even think he played great. Remember, they should have never been in that game. Denver should have – you know, he threw up the Hail Mary. He's got the big arm. He should have never even completed that pass. Right, but he outplayed Brady. Brady, be fair, he outplayed Brady in the championship game. That was fair the enough, fair enough. So I, and, and he did a lot of it on the road, so i got to give him credit. He did have some road playoff victories that were pretty impressive. Um, but the point is this team is not that good. They're 5-4, five and four, and, and they'll be 5-5. Five and five. I think, like you said, it's going to be a close game. Dallas not that good. I don't think Dallas is running away from people. I think they've had kind of the perfect storm, and they'll get tripped up, I think, two or three times before the end of the season. I can't see them going 15-1. Uh, I just don't think the Ravens have enough juice to do it to them. So I, I think Dallas wins. Like you said, close game. I'll say 27-24. Sounds uh, right up the alley. This is for the AFC South. Interesting game. Luck, Mariota, two highly touted and intelligent quarterbacks, but I think one organization has built around their quarterback right. They drafted a running back. They drafted offensive line the last two years, uh, made a trade for DeMarco Murray. And the other organization doesn't have that great of offensive line, has an old running back in Frank Gore, and I just, you know, they they really don't have much. And the Titans even have a a couple of solid players on defense. And I think the Texans, we'll talk about that Monday night, but I think the Texans could lose to the Raiders. So I think the Titans go into Indianapolis, Colts are favored by two and a half, which I don't even think they should be. I think the Titans flat out win this game. There will be some points. And I say they actually win 28-26, beat the Colts. Mariota gets it to Kendall Wright, Delaney Walker, and DeMarco Murray puts up a touchdown and, and, and close to probably like a buck three. So I, I don't see much for the Colts. Of course, luck, both of them will have like you know, 300 yards each, but I think Mariota's going to outduel them. Mariota's been on a hot streak. So I'm going to take the Titans to win 26-24 over the Colts. You know what? This game's in Indianapolis, and I'm going to say that Andrew Luck, to T.Y., what it is right now, is going to be the combination to move the nation. Uh, and the Colts are going to go to 5-5 five and five and drop the Titans to 5-6, and six, mucking up that whole AFC South. Houston is going to have a chance to, to gain ground here, but I just have a feeling this up-and-down Colts team can surprise people 
and they can put up a big number against this Tennessee defense. Tennessee defense at times isn't playing well. I think it comes down to DeMarco Murray and ball control. If Tennessee can take the air out of the ball, maybe turn Andrew Luck over a little bit, play from ahead, then I think they'll they'll win. But Marcus Mariota, he's been playing well the last few weeks. I have him on fantasy, but he's been he threw a few turnovers, threw a few interceptions early in the season. So But he's been killing the stats. He's been killing it now. Not only has he been killing now, but let me let me just tell you, as somebody who owns Mar- Mariota, he's been getting off to such a good start that his teams have been up so much that he hasn't really passed mm-hmm. in the second half. And, you know, in our league, we got that 300, that five-point bonus when you hit 300. He's been at 270, 280, 290 with three, four touchdowns. And I'm, I can't be greedy, right? I love three, four touchdowns. But I'm like, can I get the five-point bonus, please? But he doesn't even have to do that. So, it always comes down to the fantasy, right? Can I get oh, the bonus on me? I need that to make a playoff. So, anyway, bottom That's line hilarious. is Colts win the game because it's in Lucas Oil, and Ooh. they can score and they can keep up the Titans. So I think the Colts win a big, big game for them, 31-29. Oof. I think it's a high-scoring game. Okay, well, we have two future Hall of Famers that are having homecomings. And the first one is Larry Fitzgerald and the Arizona Cardinals going to Minnesota. Mr. Fitzgerald's dad was a, you know, writer, sports writer in Minnesota, and he was a ball boy, yada, 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 the whole thing. Half a point spread, the Vikings are favored. Neither of these teams are playing good football, though, Ray, and you know, Arizona being 4-4 and 1 with the tie. <sighs> Minnesota, they're holding on with this 5-4. and four. They got rid of Blair Walsh, which is, gosh, you kind of feel bad for the guy, right? I mean, he, he mentally collapsed ever since he missed the field goal in the playoffs. I just think Minnesota at home, that's a real home field advantage. Minnesota, and I don't trust- even though it's a brand-new stadium? Oh, that that place is rocking. We saw it on Sunday Night Football when we had uh, against the Texans when we had Daniel House from Vikings Corner on. That's a real home field advantage. And right now, besides David Johnson, I'm not loving anything with Carson Palmer in that offense. And the Vikings defense at home, they're revved up, man. You know, they, they, they really hold it down. I think this is going to be kind of a, a little bit of a punch-in-your-mouth type game. I'm going to take the Vikings to to win. It's going to be a little low scoring. I'm going to say, I'll say, not so low scoring. I'll say 23-20, Vikings win by a field goal. And I think Stefan Diggs, him and uh, Patrick Peterson are going to go after each other. So I think Kyle Rudolph is the guy to get into the end zone. And maybe Reindeer. Sam Bradford has a decent day, but I think the defense actually scores one. They take uh, Palmer to the house. So the Vikings win a close one, 23-20. Take it to the house, young fella. So... Mm-hmm. You're going to feel like you're watching the Purple People Eaters, Ray. Oh, my. That would be something. (laughs) The Arizona Cardinals have the best player on the field, and that's David Johnson. The Arizona Cardinals have the second best player on the field, probably, and that's Patrick Peterson. The Arizona Cardinals might have the third best player on the field in the Honey Bear, Tyron Matthew. But after that, I think the Minnesota Twins – are so due for a victory and certainly you got, a home you got the victory. twins and a bear? You got the bear and the twins? <laughs> I think the Vikings are they were called soft three, four weeks ago and haven't really done anything to, to disprove Mike Zimmer, who's a defensive guy. Clearly the message hasn't sunk in. Now they played a tough Philadelphia team, uh but really they haven't played their game and you know what? You can't replace Adrian Peterson so quickly. Everybody was all like, oh, yeah, no problem, Jerk McKinnon, Matt Asiata. No, Adrian Peterson. Please come back soon, AP. Yeah, man, and especially because look at Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott. 
the one thing that the running back gives you something that's not talked about enough is time of possession. It's resting. It's 60 minutes in a football game, and if you can have the ball, if you can possess the ball for more than half of that time, that means your defense is on the field for less than half of that time. So the more the defense is on the field, the more they get tired, the more they make mistakes. So bottom line is Minnesota, despite not having the best three players in the game, I think are going to get fired up. I think they'll find a way, short passing game. Like you said, Stephon Diggs got a tough matchup this week, but they'll find a way. And I don't know that Arizona's offense, you know, this Arizona team of last year, you'd say no way. They'd run away and hide. They'd score 30, 35, and they'd, they'd hide. Because Arizona can't score, because Arizona can't force them to play from behind, I think that the Vikings have a chance to keep – keep the game close, and then pull away in the fourth quarter. So I think also relatively low-scoring game, I'll say 23-20 Vikings. It's the same thing I got, same score, and I think it's – Oh, really? See, I, I even tune out. Like, I tune out to your score. I don't pay attention to the actual yeah, you, score. You, you, don't, you, don't, you want to you be fresh and not pick what I'm picking. I, exactly. I, I, I smell you on that. But what we got to smell is – two of the top three scoring defenses battling in Seattle over some nicely warm-brewed coffee. It's getting chilly in New York and, and Arizona. You know, it's chilly out here in the West Coast, and it's going to be chilly in Seattle. And I think for Philadelphia, it might get kind of chilly on Saturday, Sunday afternoon. The Eagles have to battle the Seahawks that are now getting back Thomas Rolls. They cut Christine Michael sent him to the Packers. Packers picked him up. They're favored by six and a half. Russell's looking good, but Fletcher Cox and the boys, they bring the wood and play some great defense. I actually think the Seahawks will win because I think Jimmy Graham and Doug Baldwin, they will be helped by a little bit of play-action pass with Rawls and Procise. And I think the Seahawks win, but I don't think they cover the six and a half. It's going to be close. But I say the Seahawks beat the Eagles very entertaining game, probably one of the better ones of the weekend. I say the Seahawks win 26-20, and Jimmy and Russell hook up for a touchdown, maybe six grabs, 70 yards, which I definitely need them in fantasy. But I got the Seahawks beating the Eagles 26-20, and that Seahawk train is rolling to the playoffs, right? Well, that's exactly my point. The Seahawks train is <laughs> chugging along. And it's going to be like last year when they went and found their groove and started punching people in the mouth and scoring 40 on them. I don't know that they'll score 40, but I think they'll put it on the Eagles. I think they blow them out. And Bennett's not ready yet. He's a week away, just so you know. Michael Bennett's a week away. Michael Bennett, right. I I think still without Bennett, I think they score a defensive touchdown. I think they block a kick. I think they score – three on offense. I got the Seahawks putting it on these Eagles. I'm going to say they win 33-21. They crush them and say, we are, by the Dallas Cowboys, the top team in the NFC. <laughs> it's all Real about quick, before we pick the Sunday night football, we we're talking about another Hall of Famer going home. Do you realize in his entire career, Tom Brady has never played in San Francisco? He played in Oakland, but he's never actually played in San Francisco, even though it's in Santa Clara now. But not much to predict this game. Thirteen and a half. Four years. They. Well, you know what? I think that that year was the year he was out. Ah, remember when he got hurt? It must have been eight years ago. Every four years, every team plays each other. At home, at yeah. in one, and then eight years they play each other at the other. Right, place. so four years ago they were in New England. That makes sense. Two thousand and eight. Yeah, yeah, that was the year where yeah. he went down in game one against he, he Kansas it. City. Okay. Yeah. So, and um, so that's that's what happened there. But I'll just say this: about three hundred thirty yards, at least three, maybe four touchdowns. Legarrette Blunt will go off. And I think your boy Tom Brady puts on a performance for uh, even without Joseph, Joseph Montana. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Bennett, Edelman, Amendola, Lagarre Blunt. It's going to be either thirty-one sixteen or like thirty-eight seventeen. It's going to be yeah. It's going to be a show. He's going home for his fa- family, friends, and he wants to do it for Giuseppe. He wants to show Montana I'm here. 
in San Francisco, Chip Kelly. I'm the offensive juggernaut. You'll see. Yeah, so. I can't argue with anything you said. Uh, there's no reason in the world to pick the Niners except their home. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think the Patriots blow them out. I agree. The only thing that might slow this Patriot offense down is they might sit people in the fourth quarter. But I agreed. I think they win easily. I'll say 35-17. So the last game, Sunday Night Football, you talk about a most must win for two teams, sort of like Thursday Night Football, four and five Packers with Aaron Rodgers and McCarthy controversies all over and all types of drama against the Redskins who five, three, and one, that could come back to help them especially if they win this game. They're favored by two and a half, but I don't like the way the Packers' defense has been playing the last couple of weeks. And when you're going to go up against Cousins with Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis, Garçon, and and now Tom, you know, Chris Thompson, Chris, yeah, Chris Thompson and Robert Kelly and maybe Matt Jones plays. Matt I think Jones. the Redskins are good. I think they're going to outscore the Packers. I think Jordy Nelson should do good. I don't know where Josh Norman will he'll be if he'll travel. But Aaron's just been having difficulty. And I know under the lights he should play well. And I think the Redskins and Kirk Cousins, this is, a, this is a contract game, I feel, for Cousins. And I think the Packers are going down. I don't like the way they're playing. I don't like the locker room, the energy. So going to be some points. There will be yards. Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, maybe Jordy, maybe, you know, Josh picks one. But I think Jordan Reed has a field day. And I think the Redskins win, I'll say 31-28. They cover the spread, and Jordan Reed gets you two touchdowns, seven receptions, 82 yards. Go, Skins, go. So both of these teams – like you said, need this game. And the Packers season might be over if they go four and six. Uh especially because Detroit is pretty darn good. And Minnesota, if we're if we're right, wins that game, they get back on track. Now, both of these teams defenses have been very much below expectations. The Packers running game is something that's totally eluded them like you like we saw last few weeks injury Ty Montgomery was lining up as a running back. So I do it again this week unless they yeah, put in Michael and, uh Kristen Michael right right off the plane. They give him some pads and you know, they haven't even measured him for his you know, for his uniform. Uh, so despite all that The jersey says C M <laughs> Despite all that I think the Packers will win in a shootout. I think this game will be a shootout. I think they'll win. I'll say 31-30. It'll be very close, and they win in a shootout. Aaron Rodgers has the ball last. They win. They go for two, and they take it down. Um, this, This is a coin flip game, really. Uh, I just think that Aaron Rodgers has had a few weeks where he hasn't delivered in the fourth quarter, and this is the game that he he resurrects the Aaron Rodgers of old, and he ties them up. Even even with a win at five and five, they're still struggling to make the playoffs. This Packer team. Okay, I I, I feel you on that one. Now let's go to Saturdays. But first, we got to start off with what happened last night. Now we know it's. Bama, Ohio State, Michigan with an injured quarterback, Clemson, and number five, Louisville, was looking to have one more impressive, somewhat impressive win on their resume against Houston. And Houston said, this is the time for us to wake up from the SMU mistake and the Navy mistake, and the Big 12 should have expanded to take us because we're nice. And they they played their butts off. The coach said this was the first time they were healthy since the Oklahoma game with all 22 of their starters, and they looked healthy. <laughs> and they put it on Louisville like 36 to 10, uh, killed Lamar Jackson. I still think he's a front runner for the Heisman because he was so far ahead. I, I hate when people, you know, overreaction Monday. Like to me, one bad game. Everybody has at least one. This guy's had games where he did so good it was like two games worth of stats. 
So I don't, I can't believe he loses the Heisman on one game on a Thursday night against Houston. But well, if he does, uh, so be it. So be it. So be it. But I, I think Louisville is out of the picture. I don't, you know, I think they'll be out of the top ten next Tuesday. And uh, I think uh, we talked about this off air. I think Coach Herman is either going to Texas, LSU, or Florida State. We'll see how that plays out. Maybe Baylor, if Les Miles doesn't go there. Uh, do you think that anyone else can can push Lamar Jackson now for this Heisman? Is there a, a name? Is it, you know, your, does Peppers beat Ohio State and go off? Does the Penn State kid, the Texas running back, I mean, uh, Jalen Hurts, is there anyone for you? Not really. I mean, he was so far ahead that I can't, you know, the Washington quarterback, they were talking about. He collapsed. Yeah, yeah, and then he hit the wall, exactly. Deshaun Watson, right, his team is going to be in the top three or four probably for the rest of the season. But he hasn't been electric this season. He's had two or three good games. Right, but success, right? I mean, look, we're we're drawing a straw. It should be be a runaway for Lamar Jackson. The only one who's kind of a wild card is Jabril Peppers. And the problem with a defensive player, especially – you know, in this day and age where they don't throw to him, is what is your measurable stat, right? The offensive players always have measurable stats, touchdowns, yards, you know, yards from scrimmage, well, whatever. Well, to take to the house on special teams. That, that he needs to do. Yeah. He needs to, against Ohio State, turn a kickoff or a punt. But that's about it. So he's, he's a very long out. shot. So at the end of the day, I got to think it's Lamar Jackson, potentially Jalen Hurts, and then – uh, Deshaun Watson, Jabril Preppers, and then, you know, Jake Browning rounding up. The Don't career. you feel like Jalen Hurts is being a little disrespected from Bama? The kids had a heck of a season. He has, and if they continue to go undefeated, I think that that disrespect, because we talked about this a little bit off air, it's very likely that there'll be a two-loss team competing for the national championship, which is kind of a you know, uh, crazy when if Alabama runs the table, they'll be undefeated. So you could have a zero-loss team playing a two-loss team in a one-game takes all. And the head of that two-loss, sorry, the head of that zero-loss team monster is a freshman named Jalen Hurts. So yes, he is being disrespected, and he needs to get a lot more love. Forget about statistics. Look at this guy. Look at the game. Look you at just the want LSU love. Game. You like forget about forget about stats. You just want emotion. You want love. <laughs> he deserves love. the love. It's the Brooklyn way. Yeah, if we're going to go biggie, if we're going to go biggie, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> but yeah, so, Jalen Hurts for sure. Let's talk about these. Uh, oh yeah, no, Jalen Hurts. Sure. Let's talk love. about these three games. We got some, some, you know, a couple of, you know, three matchups in the top twenty-five. Twenty-three Florida at number sixteen LSU. <sighs> for me. This is about our guy. We spoke about him off air. I think he can win and keep this job, Ed Orzon. I think he really has done a good job. You, like you said, he's always kind of been the bridesmaid, and, and he comes and cleans up the mess, but nobody wants to keep him. But I think he might earn the respect of the boosters and everybody else, the former players at LSU. I think they take care of Florida. You know, I haven't been with this Florida team all year. I love they have NFL talent on defense. They always have corners and linebackers, you know, a couple of linemen. Um, not loving the Del Rio kid. And I think Ealing and and basically their wide receivers and, of course, Mr. Leonard Fournette, um, I think it's too much, and I think LSU's defense is, is really good. So I think that they they bang heads. It's not going to be any type of heavy point affair, but I'll say LSU wins 23, I'll say 23-17 over Florida. And I think Leonard, you know, even though Florida's defense is tough, I think he barely like 101, 102 and two touchdowns. I think LSU gets it done. Right. So remember, this is the game that got postponed by a month and a half because of Hurricane Matthews. This is the game that <laughs> yes. was supposed to be played in Gainesville, and they flipped it. I guess they're going to host LSU's going to host this year, and then next year it'll be back to uh, it'll be back to Florida. I got to tell you, this LSU team took some hits early, but they showed me a lot. And back to Jalen Hurts again, they showed me a lot against Alabama. They basically played Alabama to a draw. It's just that Alabama had the best player on the field, and he was able to make 
critical third, like long third down plays, third and nine, third and 14, and it was just one guy they couldn't account for. So if they take that momentum and put in that kind of game, I think they win pretty easily. So I like you, I don't think Florida's that good, seven and two, but I think the six and three LSU team's actually better. And I think because the game's at home, because the game is, you know, there at night, you know, it's not a night game, right? It's an afternoon game. I just feel the the kids will be out. They'll be rooting for like you're like you said, your boy Orgeron is playing. Uh, Leonard Fournette is the man. His backup is pretty good. Darius is pretty good too. Mm-hmm. I just think too much, too much to handle. The LSU defense is always stellar. Florida's offense is is can't put up enough points to make LSU play from behind. I think LSU wins the game, wins the time of possession, just runs it down their throat, and actually wins a pretty easy game. I'll say twenty three. Uh, 23-13. Number two, 22 in the nation, Washington State University has a pretty darn good team this year. But they're going up against a team that nobody or their mama or their stepfather predicted to be in the top ten this late season. I don't even think they believed it. <laughs> Colorado Buffaloes are back. I mean, and this is, you know, not uh, Cordell Stewart and Westbrook and those guys. This is like, this is the Colorado Buffaloes, y'all. Number 10 in the country. But, Ray, they play football. This is a good Pac-12 team. And people have been disrespecting the Pac-12. And I know that it's not the guys you're used to, like Stanford and Oregon. But Washington State, Washington, Colorado, Utah, USC, that's five schools in the top 25 that are playing some football, ladies and gentlemen. So just just shh, don't tell anybody that the Pac-12, you know, had a rough year last year. They're kind of back this year. And Cal's been and decent. It's not Stan- the, and and the Stanford's back thing. in the top 25, ironically well, enough. <laughs> I was going to say, and it's not the, the – the ironic thing is it's not Stanford and Oregon in the top five, yeah. top ten. That's you true. know, it's the other teams in the division. So I say all that to say that I think Washington State is going to give them one heck of a game. Do you see but the numbers say, this kid Luke Falk is putting up? I, I know he's thirty six hundred yards, thirty three touchdowns, six interceptions. He's he's doing hip hop. I think Colorado wins though, and I think it's going to be a close shootout. I got Colorado thirty one thirty over Washington State. You know what? I'll take Washington State, man. I'll take the Cougars. Ooh. I think this game will be a shootout <laughs> as well. You got uh, hyped up by Houston's Cougars. That's what it is. Uh, Cougars just hyped you up. You're going Cougar. Cougar you're cougaring it up. I'm a cougar, you know. I think that getting on Madonna on me. <laughs> we'll be oh wow, that kind of cougar. We'll put that aside <laughs> for now. Washington State, man, I just think that they are an offensive juggernaut. They are going to go in there, and it'll it'll come down to Colorado being able to run the ball and take a few possessions off the board, because this. Washington State team is averaging 500 yards a game. Now, granted, they give up a lot, but typically it's hard to be really good on offense and not give up a lot on on defense because, you know, you score quickly, you're always on the field. So I think this game comes down to a shootout, and ultimately Washington is going to have it last, and they're going to win. So I'll say 31-29 Washington wins. In our third top 25 game, we have number nine, Oklahoma, going to the Mountaineers of West Virginia, number 14, which I thought they should have been ranked a little bit higher. I thought the committee to Oklahoma for bouncing back. You know, they could have easily written this season off with those early losses. Now, listen, they lost to two great teams, though. I mean, Houston was on fire early, and then early, right? You could have, you could have easily put your head down and had one or two more losses by this point in the season. Well, I think Baker Mayfield has, has proven that he's – look, him, P. Ryan, you know, the other back, they, they, they're they solid. Mixon, yeah, Mixon and, can play. Yeah, Nick, yeah, he's special. And I think Oklahoma goes on the road. I've been harsh against this Mountaineer team. They've made me, you know, 
respect them because they're only eight and one. I mean, only one loss, which is why I'm baffled that they're 14 in Oklahoma with two losses in the same division is number nine. But that's a whole different conversation. But it's going to be played out on the field, as you always say. And I say the Sooners, Swoops and the boys, Mayfield and the boys, they're going to take it to West Virginia. But it's going to be close. 33-31. Last second field goal, Make Baker drives them to field goal range. Kick up 42-yarder, win the game, 33-31. Oklahoma will beat West Virginia. So this Oklahoma team, we talked about Washington State, this Oklahoma team is averaging 550 yards in offense this year, 30 points a game. And I think they are going to go to uh, West Virginia, Morgantown, and they are just going to put it on this West Virginia Mountaineers. I mean, the Mountaineers are good. And like you said, at 9-1, and one, that's pretty impressive, but I just don't think they have enough juice. They're only averaging 20 points a game. That's 10 points a game more. Uh, actually, points allowed, sorry. And scoring-wise, yeah. uh, it's 44-32. to 32. So this Oklahoma team can score. This Oklahoma team can put up pinball numbers, and I think they're going to do that against West Virginia. West Virginia is going to have to try and take the air out of the ball, and I'm not sure they can. So Oklahoma wins pretty easily. I'll say 37-29. Give you a weird score. We always like to pick one upset a week. Now, I'm tempted to say Wake Forest, who played good against Louisville, and they said Louisville had their information, and that's how they lost in the second half because Wake had them at the first half. But I think Clemson won't stumble up again. They, 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 you know, they're like, we can't do that. But as quick as Stanford got back in the top 25, I think Cal in a rivalry game, I think Cal beat Stanford this weekend. And it's sad because we talked about Heisman and we no one has even mentioned his name once in Christian McCaffrey, who everybody thought would be one or two with Deshaun Watson. And I think Cal is just going to outscore Stanford and Stanford won't be able to keep up. You know, Cal has that uh, transfer, what is it, the kid from Texas, it was Texas Tech, they went over there, Webb, and he's yep. going to get busy. I think Cal beats Stanford 30 31-23. I want to say right, UCLA, I'm, but I just don't think they can do it. But I got Cal right. beating Stanford. That's my upset special. I'm going to take a game that really shouldn't be an upset special. According to the record and according to the rankings, it is. So I'm going to take – we still don't know what a horned frog is, but I'm going to take the TCU horned frogs – <laughs> Five and four. This team was preseason top twenty-five against Oklahoma State. Eight and two. Oklahoma State Cowboys. And I just like you talk about a guy who's a gunslinger, but he makes some mistakes. But I like Kenny Hill, and I think that that combination of Hicks on the ground, Williams, uh, you know, out of the backfield, catching like his nickname. You just like K was a trill, K trill or whatever. K trill or Ken like the his. thrill Hill or. Kenny Bannister. <laughs> I'll call him Kenny Bannister right there. Oh, so oh you that's, my guy. Right that's there. my guy. That's but a whole I, other I conversation. Think, look, if TCU lo- loses this game, they're 5-5. Five and five. They wouldn't even be bowl eligible until they win their sixth wow. game. But I think this game at home means a lot. Gary Patterson's got a lot of pride. They were yeah. a team that Good was expected coach. to do big things. They are historically bad on defense where they usually were excellent on defense. So they can score. So can Oklahoma State. I think they'll find a way at home to pull out a game, and I think this is my upset of the week. TCU takes down Oklahoma State. Before we get to Hall of Fame Friday, quick question. Could Michigan State upset Ohio State? Are we not not talking about that? Because I – I, I, I didn't realize. You, like you're talking about Gary Patterson. Michigan State is still a solid team. Even though they seven. played horrible, they're three and seven. I know. Oh. It would be a miracle. I'll just say that. They it would be, barely it would be, beat they, Illinois. You know what I'm saying? I know. They've had a horrible season. But this is the type of game that they get up for. And remember, they beat them last year, so they know how to beat them. 
Yeah, but at the same uh, time, they beat them last year. That's exactly what I'm thinking. That Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State's like, nah, we're not letting that happen. But the only thing, no, no, and and to your point, the game against Michigan is next week. So if there's ever been a trap yes. game, because you usually don't get a Michigan State team at three and seven, you usually nope. get them at seven and three. So you figure that's that why would my be spidey a trap senses game. went off. <laughs> I, I I feel you, but because they beat nah. them last year. I think right. that uh, yeah, it's 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 pain, pain. Okay. Well, let's get to our segment, and it's Hall of Fame Fridays. I'm gonna go first because you're gonna lead us into closing the show with some NBA talk. I'm talking about an NFL player, 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 who's in his last season. He had to come back because he was gonna retire last year and he got injured. He is number eight all-time in receiving yards, 14,349. He's played for two teams. He came in the league in 2001, and his name is Steve Smith Sr. Everyone ahead of him in yards is in the Hall of Fame except for, and we got to bang the table, I realize this, for our man at number four, Isaac Bruce. Isaac Bruce needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Andre Johnson's 10. You got your boy Fitzgerald at 11. You know, these active guys that are still playing. Anquan Bolden, 15, Ray. Thought that was pretty interesting. Um, So there's some guys that are, you know, right up there. But what I love about Steve Smith is that he is 5'9", 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 in height. And he was brought in as like a specialist, as a kickoff returner in the beginning when he came out of school and he is only 195 pounds and now with the Panthers he you know got to the Super Bowl with Musa Muhammad and Ricky Pro but he couldn't get it done you know when he came out of Utah people were like eh, I don't know about this guy we'll see and he has made himself I think right into a Hall of Famer remember he was only a third round pick and the Panthers gave him a chance, and he delivered. And this season, 36 receptions, 417 yards, only two touchdowns. But he did miss a couple of games. But he's back, and with grown man strength, I think he'll probably get over 14,000, maybe 600, 700 yards by the time the season's over. You know, he won't be able to get to 15,000, but that's okay. But this guy is definitely going to get a thousand career catches. He's at nine nine seven, and he'll do that this week in Dallas. And I'm just happy and proud of him. He also probably will get a touchdown. He'll probably get to eighty. He's got seventy eight now. And I say Steve Smith will go in to the class of two thousand twenty one Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wait, can we take a break here? Two thousand twenty one. Where <laughs> has the time gone? <laughs> I have no idea. That's scary to even say because we'll we'll be alive at that time. <laughs> I'm parting like it's nineteen ninety nine. I know, I know. Time is flying. Who you got so for my me? Guy, I heard you go into another sport. Yeah, my guy has a pretty cool nickname, and it's half man, half amazing. Ooh. Vincent. Carter, Vincent Lamar Carter, a Tar Heel, a Carolina Tar Heel. So here's the case for Vince Carter making the Hall of Fame. First of all, he's been in the NBA 18 seasons. So that's already shows longevity. Still Second effective. of all, he's averaged over 20 a game. Let me count it out. I have the stats in front of me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten times. So he's had ten seasons wow. where he's averaged over twenty. Uh several of them he was he was over twenty five. So he was yeah, over twenty five. Yeah. One, two, so that's a legit three, four, ten five years yeah, of, of being of a number one star. Doing it. He's yeah. an eight time NBA all star. So the only argument against Vince Carter going to the Hall of Fame. Oh, and by the way, this will warm your heart too. Dunk champion, of course. This this will this will warm your heart. So he just passed Charles Barkley for 24th all time, and ahead of him, and definitely reachable this year, are Allen Iverson, Ray Allen, and Patrick Mm. Ewing. 
Wow. To get him up to 21st all-time in scoring. But the only argument against Vince Carter is one, or two arguments against him. One, playoffs. Didn't really do much in the playoffs. Hasn't really had a lot of playoff success. Wasn't really, to his defense, wasn't really with tremendous playoff type franchises, right? Toronto, New Jersey, yeah. Orlando. The one year know, Toronto when he lost to Iverson when he went for his graduation, game seven. Right. That's the one. He got a you know, big not... uh, yeah, media blitz for that. So that's one he thing. He did the right thing, though. He did the right the thing. The other thing is he, if you look at his stats, despite the fact that he was good, he was never really great. Now he played in the in the Michael Jordan era, so he's he's been an NBA All Star eight times, but he's never mainly been Kobe first. era, Kobe Shaq mainly era. Kobe. He wasn't really Jordan. Yeah. Mainly Kobe. Uh, Jordan was done. In well, he came in. I mean, when he started at well, the I mean, beginning of his career, he was he was at the back end of the Jordan years when it was like ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand. Jordan was still doing his thing. But here's the thing. Eight-time NBA All-Star. Only one time was he second-team NBA, All-NBA, and only one time was he third-team All-NBA. So but, Ray, there was a lot of two-guards. I mean, you're though. talking about Grand Hill, Kobe. I mean, But we're saying Hall of Fame. Remember, he was in the East, though, so it wasn't, Kobe wasn't his guy. Um, yeah. You know, he only made eight All-Star. Not only, yeah. that, that's impressive to make eight also, but only was All-NBA second team once, third team once. And I, when we're talking about Hall of Fame, we're talking about not Hall of Very Good. So Okay, but we talked about scorer. Chris Bosh being in, and, uh, you know. Yeah, but he, but has, rings, he only has one rings. ring. Vince has one ring, though, right? Got the ring with Dallas. Yeah, but can you say he was an integral part of that team? He was a contributor. Yeah. It's important, but you're right. He's borderline. I, I would say over time he gets in because of the consistency. He was a great locker room guy. He, as a veteran, he off the bench. He's been very effective for Memphis and you know Dallas. So I say, I say, yeah. I I I would put Vince in my Hall of Fame because remember it's pro, it's professional. It's it's also what you did in college too. And he was, you know, he was the man. Don't disrespect the Tar Heel years. So <laughs> let, let's let's end with the NBA before we, you know, get out of here. And it's going to be a great sports weekend, so everybody enjoy that. But you know, the Atlanta Hawks are tied for first place in the Eastern Conference, nine and two. I just run it down: Cleveland and Charlotte, Chicago, Toronto, Boston six. Seven Detroit, Indiana eight. Now I would probably say, at the end of the day, you might switch the order, but those might be the eight. Milwaukee's nine, and the Knicks are ten. I don't think, I don't think that the Knicks or Milwaukee will be able to necessarily break through. You know. Yeah. So that's 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 going to be you know a situation. The Western Conference, Clippers, Golden State, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and are you shocked that the Los Angeles Lakers at number five are seven seven and five? Seven and shocked. five. Hold on, I Jackson. think they're a yeah, year shocked. out of schedule. And yeah. I don't think that lasts though. I don't think they make the playoffs. Do you? Because then Houston six, Memphis seven, Portland eight, and Lillard's upset they're seven and six, with Utah nine. I would say Utah would probably slide in and the Lakers slide out. And I would say basically the NBA already at barely, you know, not even a month in, the top eight teams basically are are already set for the playoffs. Would you agree with that statement? Just switching Utah for L.A. Yeah, I I believe so. I believe that's to to be the case. I think people will ultimately figure out that, that that these Lakers can get shut down and that West is brutal. Um, yeah, so I agree with that. Props to them, though, for being in 7-5. And the Knicks, man, I'll say this. Kristaps Porzingis is going to be an all-star. Career high the other night, 35. But then they go down to D.C. and then lose Chris, when they had yeah. a chance to be 6-6. Six and six, And now they're 5-7. and seven. But you're feeling Kristaps, right? I mean, his game is, is really uh, it's looking good. It's looking good. 
And he looks like go, he gets real... along with Carmelo. I mean, I feel like they, they yeah. like each other and like playing off of each other. Does DeMarcus Cousins get traded? The problem with these trades, as you know, and as history has told us, is you never get in return what you give up. So you've got to do it way before the deadline to get. Ronadive and Vlade have to figure that out. You know, think about think about this. Vlade Divac was traded essentially for Kobe Bryant. (laughs) I know. So what do you get in return for Demarcus Cousins? You're not going to get half of what he's worth. So you got to figure out: can you get the best of him, and maybe he need, maybe you need to take, you know, seventy cents. Can you talk to Philly and get yeah. Embiid or Okafor and some picks and another young player? You know what I mean? Could you could you say to Philly, okay, we saw we we don't want Okafor, but we saw Embiid and we like that. Maybe they won't give up Embiid, but could they get? Because you want to get a big man in return, or you have such a void. You know, you're not going to rely on Coley Stein. And, and they want to get rid of Willie Cauley Stein. They want to get rid of him for and and he had no business being number six overall pick. It was I mean, a this guy was pick. a role player a at Kentucky. Pick. I don't know why. Yeah. Nah, it's they were hoping he'd be a bigger Dennis Rodman, and he's just not that athletic and that special. Rodman was, you know, we you can't have a Rodman. Picking up Rodman and Pippen, man. These guys are get, over history. They've been disrespected. Like, people don't realize who Jordan played with. It's like, you're my man, Robin and Pippen. You know, Pippen was like the third, fourth best player in the league behind Jordan, Olajuwon, and Barkley for a while. Don't disrespect Scotty, man. <laughs> I mean, even even Marcus Camby. It's hard to be Marcus Camby. You know, that, that, they, they uh, yeah. take Marcus Camby from Willie Cauley-Stein, frankly. Yeah, no, you're right. So, great show. We get out of here and tell everybody to have a great weekend. Enjoy good NFL games, good college football you know, we'll be back Monday to predict the Monday Night Football and talk about this college football playoff picture. It will get a lot clearer after this weekend's games and then Thanksgiving week. Wow, Ray. Thanksgiving is here, and we know the Saturday after Thanksgiving, you talk about some football games, and my Steelers play the Colts Thanksgiving night. Your Cowboys play the Redskins. So uh, I forgot who the Lions play. So there's, there's going to be some good games. A lot of lot of lot of stuff to enjoy with the turkey. So, thanks for listening, and uh, have a great sports weekend. We are out.